of grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, today once again we, we consider John the Baptist, but from a, a little bit a different perspective. The wonderful testimony that his father was able to give as his voice was restored to him once again upon the birth of his son. That John would become a marvelous man of God. That he would do wonderful things on the Lord's behalf. And then of course at the very end of the verse, you know, John... He puts his, his shoulder to the plow, in a sense, doesn't he? Now, maybe it's hard to imagine what that was like, but maybe Bill remembers, you know, plowing with a, a, a team of horses. You had to have that, that old metal plow, and, you know, it had a couple of sticks attached to it, and, you know, the, the horse was hitched up to it, and you're trying to guide that, you know, through the ground. Remember, well, nearly 20 years ago, I, I worked with an elderly chaplain um, that had had that experience. His parents had had a tobacco farm down in the south, and as a young man growing up, he knew what it was to you know, get out that old plow and hook it up to the horse and try to guide it through the field. It's not easy. It's, it's difficult. It, it causes you to, to sweat. It causes you to get blisters on your hands. I mean, as that, that little boy sitting on the tree stump, you know, you looked out and you saw your dad doing that and you said, I'm going to do that one day. And I can remember when my guys were little and they'd see me out there mowing the lawn and they'd say, I'm going to mow the lawn one day. And then when they got to mow the lawn by themselves, that lasted maybe just one or two times, and all of a sudden they didn't want to mow the lawn anymore, right? The work is hard. It can be difficult at times. It can bring a, you know, sweat to, to your forehead. We're opposed on every side by Satan himself. He doesn't make things any easier. And yet we, we get up and, and we go... And we do it. Sometimes maybe we don't think a whole lot of ourselves in the process. And that's kind of the, the direction that I'm leaning toward tonight is there's another verse in the Holy Scripture where Jesus Christ himself was you know, looking at the example of John, John the Baptist, and he said, you know what? If you have but a little bit of faith, you're greater even than John the Baptist. Maybe we want to think about that for just a few minutes tonight. Now, John the Baptist, he actually lived and died before Jesus saved mankind. 
And uh, John the Baptist, he did much of his work simply by human effort rather than by being led by the Holy Spirit. You see, you know, back in those ancient times, the Holy Spirit wasn't even available to uh, a, a lot of people. But now in our time, you know, Jesus, you, you think about it, when he was raised from the grave and, and he was uh, among people for, you know, uh, about you know, two, two months or so, and people were so happy to have him back, and for about you know, two months, he's traveling around. And then all of a sudden, he gets ready to go home to heaven. And you know, the close disciples, they're pretty upset. They didn't want him to leave it yet. But Jesus said, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And again, I probably talked about it before, but you know, as wonderful as it would be for us, you know, two thousand years later, to be able to say, "Hey, you know what? I saved my money. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to see Jesus in person this summer." Right? Now, as wonderful as that might be, now if we think about it, if Jesus was still here, he was just in one location. Yeah, imagine the, the lines of, of people, you know, are trying to, to get there to see Jesus. And, you know, maybe if you finally stood, you know, you saved up your, your money for a long time, you finally got to go on your vacation to Jerusalem, and, and you know, you stood in line for maybe even a, a couple days. I right? can imagine that you maybe have to be camping out, you know, in the line as it, it moved along. And then finally you get to see Jesus and maybe he could only spend a minute with him. And, and, and sure, you know, I, I got to see Jesus for a, a minute. You know, and then you, you could come home and you could tell your friends and neighbors, oh yeah, I, I got there. I, I you know, camped out in the line. I got to see Jesus. No, I, I, I had to heal my, my niece or my nephew. I asked him some important theological question. And this is what he had to say. And wow, wouldn't that be incredible? But guess what? We have something so much more, don't we? We have the Holy Spirit given to us. Now, again, you know, for some of our friends and neighbors, maybe that's hard to describe, you know, because you, you came in as a, a little baby for baptism, and you can't really remember what happened then. You know, God in His Holy Word says, if we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to rest upon that little baby. But as, you know, adults, we hardly, most of us don't remember our baptism unless by some chance, you know, you, you were baptized as a, an adult. Don't really remember our baptism. Maybe the closest we could come is our confirmation day. When you, know, you were there in your white gown and, and you're standing before the congregation and you proclaim, you know, to the whole world that you renounce Satan and all of his works and all of his ways. 
And you promise that, that nothing, and you know, not even death, would you know take this confession away from you as you had learned it in Martin Luther's small catechism. And for you know many of us, you know, we, we stood there, you know, very proudly that day. And you know, perhaps you know, we had a, a special feeling within our hearts. We felt really close to God on our confirmation. But then life happened. You know, then you, you went up to high school and maybe you wanted to kind of fit in with the crowd and the, the crowd was kind of, you know, drinking and, and, and smoking and, you know, taking some chew and running around with the girls that did all that same stuff and, you know, want to fit in. You start maybe to make compromises. And you start maybe to, to drift away from God. And then, you know, you graduate from high school, you know, at a time in, well, most of our lives when our parents, you know, were making us go to church every day, right? You know, I can remember as a, a senior in high school, you know, passing my 18th birthday, you know, and, and my parents saying, okay, you know, son, you can kind of do what you want on Saturday night, but you're going to be in church on Sunday morning. And so if you want to stay out, you know, till 4 o'clock in the morning and, you know, not, not get to bed till 5 o'clock in the morning, Dad is going to be there with the hold of your ankle shaking your legs saying, get up, kid, because it's time for church. And we, we drifted that far. And then you, you got out of the house. And for a, a lot of people, you know, they, they had their first job or they joined the military or they went off to college. And each of those kinds of, of situations kind of provided that environment to, you know, drift from the Lord, right? You had your job, you're in the military, right? You're out Saturday night with your friends. There was no dad to come in your room Sunday morning and grab your ankle anymore. Shake your leg and say, Get up. The drift kept going. And it became you know, more distant uh, from the Lord. And you know, there wasn't all that much to, to drag you back again. Now, yeah, even, you know, back in the, the 70s, perhaps in a lot of communities still, you know, if you weren't going to some church on Sunday morning, people were kind of looking at you cross-eyed. Saying, well, what's, you know, what, what's wrong with them? There's some public pressure. But in our current day and age, you know, no one really cares. In fact, maybe you even experience some persecution if you try to share with some friends or family members that you still go to church on Sunday. Like something's wrong with that. And we struggle. In the midst of our current society, we have these difficulties. And who is going to help us? Where is our strength going to come from? And then again, Jesus said, if you have but a little faith. You're 
John the Baptist. When I think about that. Now certainly in those particular days, um, you know, Jesus' mother, you know, the Virgin Mary, and John the Baptist are kind of the, the two uh, representatives of what a person could become, you know, simply based on doing good, right? And we have it kind of in our minds, you know, I mean, if I could just kind of be like, you know, the, the Virgin Mary, if I could just kind of be like John the Baptist, if I could just be one of the heroes of the faith. Wouldn't that be incredible? And, and Jesus kind of turns that upside down. He says, you know what? If you just have the Holy Spirit, you've got it. If you just have that, that little you know, grain of a mustard seed of faith within your heart, you're going to do great things. If you, you just have that Holy Spirit, you can get up and go that, that one more round when life knocks you down. If you just have that little bit of God, you're going to make it. And perhaps, you know, especially this Christmas season, maybe that's the word of encouragement that we need. That all it takes is that we acknowledge the Son of God. Right, really, that's it. You know, Jesus says, you know, um, if you have me, you've got everything that you need. But he also gave a stern warning, didn't he? Now, if, if, if you don't have me, you're not going to make it. For we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. What does it take to get into heaven? Right? It takes a perfect life. It takes a life even better than John the Baptist. It takes a life even better than the Virgin Mary. If you're going to make it under your own power. And throughout Jesus' ministry, people have kept hearing his preaching and they kept you know coming to him and, and they were understanding what he was driving at that we needed to be perfect and, and they time and time again would raise their hand and they would say well well Jesus who can be saved right you know he finished the sermon the guy in the back went I'll, I'll, excuse me Jesus it doesn't sound like anybody's going to make it. And I think at those times Jesus would, would, would just kind of maybe smile and he'd say, now you got it. Right? With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But I finally get it. You can't work your way into heaven. It doesn't matter how perfect that you've been performing. If you don't have Christ, you don't have what you need. See? Uh, on that last day, we, we might say, well, you know, it, it just sounds unfair. 
Because, you know, all it takes is, is you're going to walk into the throne room on Judgment Day, and if Jesus looks over and says, hey, I know that one, God's going to say, all right. You get to come in. Now we might put our heads in our, our heads and say, well, it sounds like it's wrecked. Right? And instead of based on my performance, it's based on who I know. I don't really like that idea. But dear friends, God, he tells us the truth. He tells us just how it is. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to be there. And if you do know Jesus, it doesn't matter what sins you've committed, because if you lay your sins at the feet of Jesus, he even says, who do you think is going to love me more? The one who just had one or two bad thoughts through their whole life, and they get to come in because they know me, or the one who committed grave sin, and then repented, and came home. Which one do you think will love me more? And the Pharisees well, said, well, of course it's going to be the one that you forgave the all. And Jesus says, yeah, that's right. Now, perhaps as you know, we, we sit here tonight, we, we say, well, you know, I, I did more than you know, just one or two bad thoughts. And dear friends, the answer for that is, again, Jesus loves you so much that he stretched out his arms and he died. So those are a couple things that you did that were beyond one or two bad thoughts. Those could be forgiven, that you can start fresh again. That you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can begin to have your life change. Because that's kind of the final piece, isn't it? That Jesus Christ changes people's lives. Now, we, we love to hear those testimonies, don't we? As you know, you're, you're talking with, with someone, a friend, a, a family member, somebody at work, and, and you, you know, they begin to tell their story, and they say, oh, oh yeah, you know, when, when I was 10, I, I had a bad thought about my mama. They say, yeah. But Jesus, he, he forgave me. Everything was all right. doesn't seem very powerful, does it? Well, you and I can run into people that can talk about the, the, the life of sin that they had, now they had gone astray, but then the Lord reached out to them through, you know, some even supernatural means, and, and he began to restore them. And they laid their sins at the feet of Jesus and they began to overcome you know, the drug addictions and, and you know, other terrible things that were in their life. And they can stand up and say, you know, and, and then I 
was sad. And Jesus took my life in a new direction. And he made something new out of me. And he brought other friends and, and people into my life to put me on the right path. And he lifted me up. And he gave me strength where I was weak. They sustained me through difficult times. He was there. He protected me. He held me in his arms. And he gave me his peace. Oh, those are words that we love to hear, don't we? As we're kind of maybe struggling through this Christmas season, as we're thinking about maybe yet a, a, another holiday that's going to go past where we can't feel free to be with our loved ones. You know, maybe we are used to traveling and we're not going to be able to travel this year. Maybe we're used to having a, a lot of family come over and they've been, you know, turning down our invitation. Whatever the particular case might be, we come back to that wonderful center. God still loves us. And God has promised he will be with us even through the difficult times. He was there for Zechariah who lost his voice for nine months. Because, yes, uh, of his sin. Imagine he got up every morning of that nine-month period and maybe just kind of kicked himself and said, why couldn't I at least just shut up, you know? I could have even believed the angel. I did this to myself. Uh, maybe, for example, in the midst of this pandemic, you can't identify anything that you, know, you did wrong in particular, but yet it seems like the world is punishing you. In this world we will have trouble, Jesus said. But fear not, I have overcome the world. See, this is where our hope is to be found, isn't it? In Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Jesus himself said, you know, as great as John the Baptist is, as he was, you, who have my Holy Spirit, can do so much more. And you folks do it every day, don't you? All it takes is, is that simple act of kindness, right? Well, to, to visit with someone, invite them to church, to keep the records, to do all the paperwork that the church requires, to move forward. To offer that simple cup of water to somebody that's in need. These are the things God's kingdom is built from. Amen.
And may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always.